Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Well, if you are new here, I would like to say that my name is Cody, and I serve as one of the leaders here at our church. And I just want to say welcome. Welcome to New City. Uh, Today we'll be talking about purpose, the purpose that God has given us, and how, if we're honest, sometimes um, we lose sight of it. It slips through our hands. And so we'll be talking about our purpose and how God has given us the purpose and also the strength to carry on and to refocus and to pursue that purpose that he's given us. I'll start first by uh, reading um, from the book of Acts. Acts is the second book that Luke has written, and there we read in Acts 1, verse 1. Luke says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, if you are pregnant and about to have a child, maybe you should think about Theophilus, that's a good name. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God. Father in heaven, now as we gather as a church, we ask that you would bless the speaking of your word, bless the hearing of your word, and bless the doing of your word. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you know anything about me, you'd know I'm a football fan, big time, can't help it. And one of the things that caught my eye at an early age about football It's this idea that these big, strong men, 200 pounds, 300 pounds, 400 pounds, for some reason, they just can't help but to drop the ball, fumble the ball. In 1993, the Miami Dolphins played against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and they won, obviously. Um, And this play, this particular play that we won off of, I mean, the ball hit about eight players, and they just kept fumbling it, kept fumbling it, can't hold on to the ball. The weather conditions played a part in the ball being slippery and it falling out of their hands. And very similar, 
to them, we, as the people of God, sometimes fumble our purpose. The ball plays a purpose, uh, a part of their purpose. If they hold on to the ball across the line, they score. They fulfill their purpose. If we hold on to the promise and the purpose that God has given us, then we would fulfill our purpose. But too often, we fumble the purpose. Um, and it just doesn't start with us. The disciples did as well. Uh, Jesus had some disciples who were with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist taught about the kingdom of God and the role that we are to play in it. And then they were with Jesus for three plus years. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. He uh, resurrected the dead. He healed the sick. He showed them how to go out and to minister to folks. But here in our text today, we see these disciples asking him a question that they should already know the answer to. They asked him, are you restoring the kingdom back to Israel at this time? Jesus wants them to know that it's much bigger than Israel. It's much bigger than, than your little area. It's my purpose for your life. And so... I have good news for you this morning. Jesus gives us the power to not only hold on to our purpose, but to fulfill our purpose. And Jesus is calling us to the purpose of gospel witness. The title of today's message is, The Church is Powered for the Program. We're powered for the program. And there's two things that I want you to see. Jesus uh, program and power for gospel witness. Jesus' program and power for gospel witness. Now, the program is to use witnesses, believe it or not. God is restoring the whole world back to himself, and a part of the program is us who have come to Christ, who he have made alive, and now we get to reach out to others and witness to them so that they can be a part of the program. Right there in verse 8, we see Jesus said, you will be my witness. The word my indicates that we belong to God. We are the blood-bought believers birthed in the body of Christ. And since we belong to him, it is God who gives us our purpose. We don't have to run after it, seek after it. He is the one who supplies us with our purpose. He gives us our role. Amen? And so, as those who have been given a purpose to be the witnesses of God, we get to display God's image. We get to show the world who our God is. And one of the things about our God is that he is triune. He is three persons in one. He's the Trinity. And in the Trinity, we notice something about his nature. God is others-oriented. The Father reveals the Son. The Son submits to the Father. And the Holy Spirit seeks to bring glory to the Son. He is others-oriented. And so should we be others-oriented. But the problem we face in society today is there's another gospel. There's a gospel that says, if you want the good life, you shouldn't be others-oriented. You should be about yourself. 
extreme independence and extreme isolation. And what it does is it rides the coattails of your trauma. And it says that the pain from your broken friendships or their abusive family should move you towards isolation. And when it does that, you have now made a God out of, out of individualism and independence. Before you know it, the voice in your head becomes your inner compass. And that voice is what you follow and you listen to and your feelings is the one that guides your life and that's your Lord now. And now you've set up this emotional fortress around yourself seeking to protect yourself from sin and more hurt and more harm. Now you've become your savior. This is a different gospel and not only that, it goes against the very nature that you were made in. It goes against human nature. Therefore, it would always produce misery. It would always produce more agony, more pain. It would always produce uh, feelings of joylessness and purposelessness. It doesn't line up with who God made you to be. It's inconsistent with human nature. And you might be saying, well, I was hurt before, and, 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 and this is the answer to my hurt. That is not the answer to sin. God has provided the answer to sin in Jesus, who went to the cross not only for the people who have abused you, but for you as well. And on the cross, he paid the price for your sin, and he has resurrected from the grave, and he has given the world witnesses of his glory. And we are to change the world by being others-oriented and witnessing to them. Now, so far we've talked about the fact that we are witnesses of God. And God uses these witnesses throughout the world. But who is the primary focus of the witness? Who should be the, 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 the group of people that the witnesses are pursuing the most? The program is for witnesses to exercise their purpose among their family and friends. Mm -hmm. Among your family and friends. Jesus says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Stay there, wait for the Holy Spirit. Jerusalem was sort of the source of life for, 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 for all of Israel. It was where many of their family members would go throughout the year to, to, to worship God and for Pentecost. All of life sort of flowed through Jerusalem. And Jesus says, I want you to start there first. In his book, Evangelism in the Early Church, Michael Green estimates that more than 80% of evangelism was done not by the apostles, but by ordinary Christians explaining themselves to their oikos or their households, their network of relatives and close friends, their close associates. People paid attention to the gospel because their co-workers, their family members, talked to them about it. 
The question I have for you this morning is, are you in with the program? Are you down with the program of being a witness, living out your calling and your purpose and witnessing to your family and friends? If Jesus ascended into heaven yesterday and he told this room of people, you will be my witnesses in Hollywood, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, who would be the first people you are pursuing to witness to? It would be your family and friends. And one of the things we have to keep in mind is that we're witnessing to people who are otherwise hopeless. There's no hope but Jesus. There was a guy who was a Christian by the name of Kumar, and he was over in South India. And he invited some friends and some people he know to his house to watch a Billy Graham presentation of the gospel. The 13 people he invited didn't show up, but thankfully it was a two-night event. And so he prayed that night about who I should share the gospel with, who should I invite over. And he believes that God revealed to him, wait a minute, what about your wife's sister family? What about them? And so Kumar, he began to reach out to them, but he noticed, wait a minute, they don't have a phone. And so he got in contact with their neighbors and he begged their neighbors, hey, would you reach out to our family? Bring them to the phone. I have an urgent message for them. They came to the phone and he said, look, I need you to get here as soon as possible. And Satish, his brother-in-law, said, look, I lost my job. I don't have no money. I can't afford a bus. And he said, look, go ahead and borrow the money. And when you get here, I will reimburse you. Satish borrowed the money. They got on the bus, him and his family, at 4 a.m. They didn't get to Kumar until 5 p.m. the next day. And this was on December the 23rd. They got there, and Kumar put on the Billy Graham presentation. He sat the family there, and he said, now watch. Billy Graham preached that gospel to him, and over and over again, he talked about how they could find hope in Jesus Christ and through the resurrection of our Lord. By the time the broadcast went off, Kumar turned the TV off, and he looked to him and said, this is my testimony. God has saved me through Jesus Christ. Would you believe in Jesus today? Satesh and his family looked at one another, and it was visible on their faces that they were disturbed. Satesh said to Kumar, I just lost my job, and the house that we live in belongs to the company, so they're demanding for the house back. We have to evacuate. We have no hope, Satesh, I meant Kumar, and Honestly, on December the 25th, me and my family, all of us, have been planning to commit suicide. But what you just showed us, we now believe that we could find hope to face the day with Jesus. We don't know how in need people are of the gospel. 
When you think about it, there is no other way. There is no other hope. And so are you on board with that, with sharing to the hopeless? Well, you might be saying, well, uh, I noticed that I don't speak too well, and the people in my family, some of them are very articulate. I don't feel like I could really talk to them or change them in any way, form, or fashion. I can't even tell them, hey, maybe you should change your clothes, your mismatching. Well, the truth is you can't even change yourself. How did you become a Christian? Was it not by the power of God? There's hope because witnessing happens in the realm of the miraculous. Scripture describes salvation as a miracle. Paul said that he has made us alive, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. He said that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, Colossians 1, 13. And Jesus himself said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. In his book, Bringing the Gospel Home and Witnessing to Family Members and Close Friends, Those Who Know Us Well, Randy Newman said these words. He says, once we realize that evangelism occurs in the realm of the miraculous, we start praying more faithfully, trusting more wholeheartedly, and proclaiming more gently. When we relinquish trust in our ability to persuade and latch on to God's power to save, we find hope beyond explanation. So if you're noticing, I'm, I'm a little weak here. That's a good thing. We recognize that we're weak and we recognize that we are in need of something. And Jesus knows that we need something. So he gives us his power. Jesus is power for gospel witness. And the power is the Holy Spirit. In verse 8, we read it earlier. Sometimes we forget it. We read earlier that Jesus says you will be my witnesses. But before he says that, he says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. We fumble the ball. We fumble our purpose because we think it's all up to us. Jesus wants you to know today that it's by his power that we witness. Now, in the seventh chapter of Acts, Acts is divided into sections. The first half talks about uh, ministry in Jerusalem, how the disciples took what Jesus said and they were empowered to do ministry in Jerusalem. But it also says in Samaria and all of Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so before it gets out of Jerusalem, we have a climactic experience with Stephen. Stephen is a young man, and the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was full of the power of God. And he was doing ministry there among family and friends in Jerusalem, witnessing to them. Now, this was the place where folks didn't like Jesus. This was the same people who plotted to kill Jesus. And he was among his family members, probably feeling overwhelmed by the assignment as a young man. 
there's hope for us in our weakness because the Holy Spirit empowers gospel witness. He empowers the witness with boldness. They plotted against Stephen just like they did Jesus. They grabbed Stephen. They took him down to the religious headquarters and they lied on Stephen. They said, this man is speaking blasphemy throughout all of Jerusalem. He's even planning to destroy our temple. And right there in the face of the religious Sanhedrin, Stephen boldly speaks and he talks to two groups of people, the nuns and the dons. He goes through the history of Israel and he talks about the nuns and the dons. First to the nuns, he says, uh, 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 you always rejected God's Savior. These are the people that says, I don't want none of your Jesus. I don't want none of your God. I don't want none of the resurrection. I don't want none of your Bible. Stephen says, you've always rejected God's Savior. And he says, even with Moses, verse 23 of Acts 7, we read, him talking about Moses. He says, when he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. The next day, he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, who appointed you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Ain't it funny how when you're doing the Lord's work and you're trying to deliver people out of sin, you get labeled as a judge. And then all of a sudden they start throwing your past in your face. Ain't you the one that was around here hoeing around years ago? Ain't you the one that was strung out on drugs? Who do you think you're talking to? Ain't you the one who is an alcoholic? And if we're not careful, that type of interaction would cause us to be discouraged and to never witness again. It happened to Moses. Take a look at verse 29. It says, when he heard this, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian. I can't take it. I'm done trying to reach these people. That's Moses. And it happens to us. If we're not careful, we'd be in the same boat. And Stephen goes on boldly proclaiming, even though you rejected the Savior, you were later redeemed by the Savior. Now, how does people go from rejecting to becoming redeemed? The Spirit empowers the witness with faithfulness, with endurance, with steadfastness. In exile, while Moses was in exile, he had a meeting with the Spirit of God or the angel of God at the burning bush. And the angel of God told Moses, we see that in verse 34. He says, 
I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected when they said, who appointed you a ruler and a judge? This one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush. This man led them out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt, at the Red Sea, and in the wilderness for 40 years. This man was empowered by God to witness with endurance and faithfulness and steadfastness. The thing that I want you to see is it wasn't easy for Moses. He led these people out of Egypt into the wilderness. These people are hungry and moaning and complaining. He's out in the hot sun all day long with them. They want to go back to Egypt. But he continues. You see, not only is witnessing with boldness or salvation a miracle, but the fact that we have this miraculous power to boldly proclaim and to do it through it all. It's, it's God's power enabling us to do so. The power to endure is exactly what is needed to witness to the other groups Stephen is talking to. They are the duns. These are the people that say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with church. I'm done with your God. I'm done with your Bible. I'm done. These are the people who are rebelling against God. God had delivered them, and yet they turned back to sin. Take a look at verse 39. Stephen says, our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. We're done. We're done with the way things are going on. We're done waiting on God. There's this conditional rebellion, this, this, this thing that say it's okay, it's, it's justified because of my circumstances to turn back to my previous life. It's a whole movement of folks who believe that I'm done. I was with God, but now I'm done. And these people, when witnessing to them, it, it can kind of intimidate us. I mean, what do you say to a person that says, I've been with the church for 10 years. I used to sing in the choir. I've been baptized. I take communion. I read my Bible. Finish the Bible verse right before you even get done quoting it. What do you do with these folks? A lot of times we get intimidated and we shut down. We don't pursue witnessing to them anymore because we don't feel like we are equipped to do so. We can endure because we know the Holy Spirit has the power to change hearts. He's changed our hearts. He can change their hearts. He can change our hearts from being unwilling to share. And he can change their hearts from rejecting the Savior to receiving the Savior. From, from rebelling against God to rejoicing in God. Are you depending on his 
power when you're witnessing to family and friends? Or are you superstar witnessing, depending only on yourself? And even if that family member or friend's heart is not changed by us, it's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit enables us to still be a part of the program. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.